I'm in your egg and everywhere like glitter With diamonds in my veins, glitter All I want is to hear from you like glitter Some girls are made to shine Kia ora, koto katoa. Hello and welcome back to all of you to Jules from NZ, the glitter episodes, where I ramble about topics that interest me, answer call-ins, tell you all about my crazy life. These may mention life in Aotearoa, New Zealand, but are a little more Jules focused and definitely today a lot more RPG focused. But all that glitters is gold, right? So let's hope these are too. How are you all? I am good, thanks for asking. So let's talk about what I've been up to recently in the life of Jules. Well, it's been a lot. Like, a lot. Um, firstly, there was WellyCon. Now, WellyCon is a board game convention here in Wellington. Um, usually focused completely around the sort of board games you think of when you think, like, Catan or um, uh, I don't really play board games and I'm just now struggling to think of names of things. Not really like Monopoly or Cluedo, like generally the games are a little more complex uh, and awesome than that. So it's usually about that but for the last couple of years uh, I've been working with them to run um, D&D because sometimes we have boards and we're definitely a game, so I think we count. So I was running games. I was actually running a whole room this year of completely D&D, uh, which meant that I had three tables running, three different DMs, uh, as well as a bunch of different games set up on tables around the place, like um, Dragon 3 Ante and Hero's Quest, and as well as setting the entire room up to look like you'd walked into some kind of spooky Halloween-y dungeon. So it was, it was a lot. It was, it was really full on and it was crazy. And uh, although it was a lot of work, it was probably one of the most fun weekends I've had this year. So I, I dressed up. I, I, you know, it's me. Hi, Jules. I cosplay. Uh, so for the first day, I was a cutesy little wood elf with a pink wig and full on ivy. I actually used part of um, a costume I made which I call Poison Ivy Gets Married um so I used <laughs> bunches of that and sort of put it together with bits of my normal kind of elven outfit and then for the second day I was a draconic sorcerer and I sort of gave myself a little um top hat with a skull on it and some um red like dragon wings and um a pretty serious looking sort of gothic uh, dress, like with big old hoop skirt, you know, kind of scenario. Um, just, yeah, that's, that's how I looked. Um, I'm, uh, I think I posted pictures on Twitter and my Instagram and stuff. So if you're interested in having a look at how that all turned out, um, go and have a look at J-U-L-Z-B-U-R-G-I-S-S-E-R. That's Jules Bergeser, uh, is my Twitter handle and my Instagram handle and literally everything. You'll find me under there. So what did I do? Okay, so I was running games um, as well as like running the area. I was generally running Hallowed Festival of Frights, which you will have heard me talk about before. Um, and you'd think that I'd be overrunning that, but 
I never get tired of running that game. I love how every time I run it, it's different. What they do with the mirrors, if they rescue the ghost or if they fight her, what theories they have right up until the end, what visions they see and how that changes their thoughts about what the game is. Um, and just the NPCs that are in it are a bunch of fun to play. So, uh, yeah, I, I just love running that one shot. I never get tired of revisiting it. And so I revisited it a few times, but actually, uh, people that had booked for our gaming sessions hadn't realized how late they would be running. So some of the sessions ran from sort of six till nine and, um, there were some young kids booked for those games. And so I had a few parents come see me and just sort of be like, help, ah, we've fucked up here. Uh, we have booked a game to play with you guys and uh, we're not going to do the time slot. And I was like, that's okay. If you give me 20 minutes, come back so I can have something to eat and go to the toilet and stuff. I will run your kids, your very own special game, right? And I said this all thinking, yeah, that's fine. I'll figure something out. Like, it'll be fine. I'll say this because I feel really bad that they might miss out on um, playing a game of D&D when they've obviously been looking forward to it. So I'll figure something out. I'll talk to the other DMs. Cool. None of the other DMs can do it. Cool. So it's me. Um, I've never improvised a game really in my life. Like not a one shot like that. Uh, I I'm a planner. I'm a I, I like to sit down with some paper and think about what I what I might do. Even when I've got um, campaign sessions coming up, I like to think through what they might do and kind of plan for those eventualities. So I had 20 minutes to come up with a one shot for some six-year-olds and their dads. And I panicked for about five of that, just blind panic, um, and was just like rifling through my monster manual like some game was gonna leap out and hit me. Um, and I was thinking about, and then I started thinking, like, and I started thinking about what people expect um, from Dungeons and Dragons if they've never played before. And that's what these guys had told me. Their dads had told me. Both, all three of the dads had never played before and all three of their sons had never played before. But they had heard about it and they were very excited about these dungeons and these dragons things. So I was like, okay, well, I've got to show them at least a part of the name, right? So I flicked to the dragon side and I was like, okay, can't put kids up against a fully grown dragon. Like, feel like that's probably disadvantaging them a bit. Let's put them up against a drakeling. Yeah, cool. Done. Okay. So how does that happen? All right. Um, this one really likes gems apparently. Okay. So there's going to be a gem involved. Um, okay. So it's going to be attracted to a gem that they have for some reason. Why would they have a gem? Well, I mean, they might have a gem because it's on a trophy or something. Okay. So, uh, they have a trophy. Why would they why would they have a trophy? Oh, because they're in a competition to win the trophy. Right. Okay. Cool. That's a start. That's that's a thing. So the other thing I thought about was the fact that I need to teach these kids how to play, right? And generally when I'm doing like a three and a half hour session of a one shot, there's plenty of time to talk to them about all the bits on their character sheets and how they all work and then give them opportunities to play that through. Like that's what Hallowed Festival of Frights and a couple of my other ones now are for is those beginner games to teach them how everything works and they get lots of time to experiment with things before I throw them into anything tricky. But this, I had an hour. I had an hour to teach them how their sheet works and get them all the way through to fight a drake. Uh, so I needed 
this to work that way. So I thought, okay, well, what if I put them in a school situation where the tournament is about them showcasing what they've learned at school and so I can kind of walk them through some basic challenges that they need to use their sheep to overcome in order to win said trophy. Okay, so now we're talking. So I came up with at Eisen, um, all of my Eisen one shots generally situate around the whistle whistles. And they met at the Hallowed Festival of Frights at one of the schools. And I never actually say what the school is called. And so I decided it was the Whistles School for Wannabe Adventurers. And so now I have a school name. I have the Grand uh, Wannabe School for uh, Whistle Wannabe. Uh, no, wait, what am I saying? The Grand <laughs> Whistle School for Wannabe Adventurers Tournament. Okay, we have a name um, for the game even. And so that's how it happened. And I was just like, cool, they're going to pick character sheds. Um, depending on which character sheet they pick, I will give a game that kind of works. It ended up, their dads actually ended up sitting down and taking a character sheet as well. So I ended up with table of six, which was actually really fun because the dads got really competitive and not like with their kids. They were very supportive of their kids, trying to let their kids win, but of each other, like all of these dads were like, I'm going to take you down, man. So I put them against each other and like magic jewels and uh, some combat matches and stuff and then I came up with a game because I noticed that Rogue was looking a bit like I'm not very good at any of this so I came up with a game where they had to use like their abilities their ability scores on their sheet to uh, go into stealth mode, sneak into a house, find a chest so that was investigate and then break into it I'm using like sleight of hand um, in order to get the prize inside and depending if they met all of the three challenges depended if they get you know like the trophy at the end of that particular section and stuff so I basically came up with oh and I came up with an archery tournament as well so I came up with these four tournaments um, the rogue actually ended up taking out the magic tournament the magic jewel which which was a surprise to me and the wizard um, that was in the party and so he ended up with like two smaller trophies and was probably going to be awarded the big trophy. And so the whole time I'm like, uh, right now the uh, the archery tournament is starting. Could the uh, people uh, uh, signed up for the archery tournament please make their way over to the archery field now? And that's kind of how I was introducing each segment. And so as I was about to, uh, the winner of the overall Grand Whistle School of Wannabe Adventurers Tournament Trophy is what? What is that? And what is what is what is that in the sky? And and I just drop like the the fact that this dragon is about to attack um, on them because it's been attracted to the giant ruby and they're screaming and there's this and there's that and now they've got to protect their school. They are the elite. They are the the tournament champions. They must protect their friends. And so they went right into using their weapons, which they've been learning about in all of these tournament things. And they were beating up this Drake. And um, I had him on the ground because I just thought that would be easier for them to all fight it. And um, they had a blast. And the last shot was actually made by the wizard who didn't win any kind of like of the kids. Sorry, I should specify the three kids. Um, all won a trophy apart from the <laughs> the rogue had won t- 
two of them. Um, so, no, uh, they hadn't all won a trophy. One of the dads won one, and the wizard was without a trophy, and he was one of the young kids, and he was a bit gutted about it. But the, uh, just as it happened to be, the wizard um, did the last blow on the Drakeling, and um, it was epic, and it was just amazing to watch his face. And then I said, um, uh, well, I think in light of uh, events, uh, I think we can all agree that tournament champion uh, trophy should be awarded to our friend the wizard. And, and they all went like, Wah! and I'm saying our friend the wizard because I can't remember what names they chose. Oh, I actually, no, I can. The wizard was definitely called Harry because he was a kid and he just wanted to be like, I am Harry Potter. Um, so uh, it was amazing and his face lit up and it was incredible and that that whole game that I completely improvised in about 20 minutes which is not like me and not something I've ever done before and watching their faces as they were excited to learn about it and talking to them afterwards where they were buzzing so hard they just could not stop talking about it and then I I went down later and I saw them all walking around with um, the starter kits because they had a stall downstairs that was selling them and they all had a starter kit. That was my favorite thing about the whole of WellyCon. Never mind all of the stuff that I'd organized and all these amazing games that I played, and they were amazing, and I loved every second of WellyCon, but that, that is my favorite, because it was unexpected, it was, it, it was um, special to me because of the kids and how young they were and just how much fun they had, and it was special to me because I did something I've never done before and and had a really amazing outcome and yeah I don't know it just it just was really cool so yeah another real highlight of WellyCon um, I know I've talked about WellyCon a lot already but another real highlight was meeting a Jeff and Simon fan so we have a kid-friendly podcast called the gigantic adventures of Jeff and Simon which is all about a mouse and a pigeon and the adventures they go on um, and I met this kid um, his dad had dra dragged him over and was like hey so he's a really big fan of Jeff and Simon and he knows that you're Simon the Pigeon and he just wanted to say hi and this kid was doing that thing where he's like grabbed onto his dad's side and he's like hiding his face and he's like bright red and he's like grinning and I was like oh hello how are you I wish I was wearing my feathers today and he just went like crazy like wide-eyed and it was just amazing he thought I was a celebrity you know like he thought I was someone really special and I don't really get that in my life I don't think many people do but it was just incredible to be able to make his day so simply just by you know having a conversation with him and he finally at the end kind of came over and gave me a bit of a hug and and said goodbye and was just grinning the entire time his parents had to make him take a photo with me in fact the whole family had to get in a photo with me um just to get him to have one um and they all chatted to me about how much they enjoy fate of eisen um and how much the whole family kind of listens to it in the car and stuff and I never really thought of my podcast as being something that a family could enjoy together. And it really touched me to know that it was something they look forward to, to do together as a family. So, I mean, despite the fact that I was also horrified when I think about some of the things we talk about on Fate of Bison, but 
Yeah, it was really cool. Um, I messaged my DM on that podcast straight away afterwards and was like, oh my God, you'll never guess what happened. And he flipped out as well. And it was just, it was just really, it was just really cool. So Wally Khan, real highlight. Cannot wait to go back next year and see what happens again next time. So what else have I been happening? Because that was just one weekend and I've talked about it for like 15 minutes. Shut up, Julia. Why are you talking so much? Anyway, okay. So I also came up with um, like a lot of new one shots, like a lot of new one shots. So I ran a game called I called Escape Across the Desert where it's set in Fate of Eisen. Um, we needed a game to demonstrate for the podcast the crazy... Um, like monsters that had descended on Aizen uh, after uh, the Brute Wall had been dropped. Spoiler alert. Oh, God. Spoiler alert um, for those who aren't up to date with Aizen. But uh, we just wanted to do a one-shot with some people that weren't necessarily in the podcast to show some of the crazy that was going on around Aizen with these monsters attacking and stuff. So I created this little one-shot, and I was running it with my group, my Ghosts of Saltmarsh group, to... Um, record them and put them on the podcast and it would be awesome and it would be a reward for them having to put up with me the dm and you know it was be a great time and um i also was planning to run it after them with um some patreons of the podcast to reward them for being amazing amazing fans and just really being supportive of us so it was a really cool game and 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 spoilers on this game i learned a lot about running a beholder (laughs) because they're really difficult so i decided to um showcase the monsters that had been returned to aizen as not dragons because that's what everybody expected but i got them into the desert um, hit them with a couple of purple worms that tried to eat them. Uh, the purple worms disrupted all the sand and had all these tunnels, and they ended up underground in a beholder's lair who's just been, like, minding his own business for years, and he's been down there this whole time, and now you've just, like, pestered him and walked into his lair, and he's not happy about it, so he's going to kick your butt. Um, so that was kind of the setup, and uh, I learnt a lot. Yeah, beholders in their lairs. Lair actions, legendary actions, anti-magic, cone eye rays, and multiple eye rays, and, and just, there's a lot of moving parts with a beholder, and I was exhausted by the end. But even though I'd done this, I, I researched the hell out of it, and I had decided to use a beholder because my players were all level 10, and um, the DMG, the Dungeon Master's Guide, said that this was the right CR for those players. Um, I realized about... Pfft, few minutes into the fight that my my beautiful beholder was going to get its butt kicked like real hard before even really being able to do much and so I yep I was that DM I bumped his stats um because I had a podcast to do (laughs) I needed it to last so I I'm a horrible person and I bumped its stats uh but I don't regret that because I think my players learned a lot about fighting something that's flying and anti-magic and, and rays and stuff. They all survived. They all managed to take it down. They worked together as a team really well, even though they did not think about uh, casting fly on any of the fighters or anything. They did manage to do some, um, some good stuff in and around that. So I'm really glad that I talked to a few people about running the beholder previously and I had like a tunnel 40 foot up in the air in between two rooms so that my beholder could kind of fly through this tunnel because without that he really would have died really quickly um yeah level 10 d uh d and d 5e they're like they're like 
tough. They have some serious kick butt skills, especially when they're long rested and they have everything. So yeah, yeah, I learned a lot about that too, like leveling for my players and stuff. So I, on the second time I ran it, I actually added in a couple of ropers in um, a little tunnel to be able to help uh, with the wizards that were beating up my lovely beholder because, you know, then they grabbed them and tried to eat them and grappled them and stuff and wizards find that hard to get out so they had to get some help getting back out again and so that was kind of a fairer fight I didn't have to bump the stats of the beholder at all they just um took it down kind of better um although I did kill the one of the players in their first ever game of D&D with the beholder's death ray which I did kind of feel awful about but also kind of like as a DM like tick uh, <laughs> I killed somebody with a beholder's death ray. I mean, who doesn't want to say that as a DM? I know you're not trying to eat your players, but it's a one-shot, people. They're designed to, like, play them until they, you know, like, drive them into the ground because the, their character's not coming back. So um, I didn't feel too bad about it. But And also for the player, like, what a death. If you're going to go out, you want to go out with a beholder's death ray. Um, and she, luckily she still had a blast and it happened near the end so she wasn't out for long or anything so uh, that was okay um, yeah she was like well you know my first time playing D&D &D and I died I don't know how to feel about that and I was like I don't know how to feel about that either um, but I'm glad she still had a good time so that one I ran that one uh, I also ran uh, the Halloween game the Pinebridge Slasher uh, which is the one I've been talking about previously with all the madness mechanics and that kind of stuff. Um, I don't want to talk too much about this game because I've already talked about it quite a lot and I don't want to spoil any more of the secrets. But I have played this twice now and been given some amazing feedback from my players about the madness mechanic and how I played the BBG, the big bad guy or big bad girl, um, which will really add to how it plays in the future. So I'm looking forward to playing that again soon. How do you say big bad person? I don't know how people people write that. Are you just supposed to put BB? Someone tell me uh, how that works now that we're not, you know, like so much gender focused. I, I, I do not have that in my vocabulary for gaming and I'd like to. So fix me, please. Thank you. Um, anyway, I'm looking forward to playing that again soon. So both games were really different with only one group like figuring it out before they were attacked at the end game and only one group actively trying to save the townsfolk from going mad and they were both different groups and I love that this may be another one with lots of different ways to play it because that's kind of how I wanted it to be. I created a lot more of a sandbox in this one. There's different people you can talk to who reveal different clues so depending on what you make like what you do may depend on if you solve it or beat it or whatever and that's a lot more fun to dm for me um watching them kind of run around in a bit more of a sandboxy world and just letting them do whatever they want the first group did not find out though why the big bad had done it so they they messaged me afterwards and they were like ah well we never really found out what the reasoning was and i was like well you didn't talk to them so that's kind of on you and sometimes that's how it happens in real life like you know like you don't know why because you never actually talked to them about what their actions were about. You just saw their actions and then, you know, well, you're a bad guy. So we're going to crucify you on social media now. Um, that happens, you know, so it was kind of the same thing. Although I would have liked it to have had a bit more of a evil guy gets to have his moment where he gets to, you know, monologue about why. Um, but, you know, also timing was a factor and we were running out of time. So, you know these things happen but really fun 
really want to run it again um, after I've made some tweaks and stuff and see how it runs now. So uh, anybody wants to play a game, uh, let's do that. I also have been running and working on that Grand Wannabe School tournament to be an official one-shot now. I mean, I wrote it already, so I may as well write it down and <laughs> lock it in because actually it might be a kind of a handy one-shot for me to have in a back pocket for the future. Also, I've pretty much finished the biggest and best birthday ever, which is another one-shot that I created to be a birthday party one-shot. So, like, if somebody has a birthday and they need a one-shot for that, this one is about birthdays. And it's basically about your friend in town who was having a birthday that everybody forgot. And it's up to you now to put together uh, the biggest and the best birthday ever by doing all of these different tasks and, and trying to get things happen. What the birthday ends up being like will depend entirely on what you manage to get done. So um, that's kind of fun too. And that one, again, can be played at like a pretty beginner level. Or I've got some um, notes for myself on how to amp the, the level of that so that we can play it at a bit higher of a level if, you know, people that have been playing for a bit longer want to play. So... I have been working really hard, it turns out, since I've talked to you last, I've basically written four one-shots, <laughs> which I didn't realize, and it's kind of crazy to me, so, because the first two took me so long to write, um, it turns out the more you do the stuff, the easier it kind of gets, or, or just, I guess, the more I got out of my own way to allow myself to do it, so, yeah, really fun. Um, so let's talk about some other things that I've been up to that aren't necessarily um, me related like I played in games but I haven't run them or I didn't make them so because I have been playing quite a few games recently and I really have been having a great time so I want to talk to you about um, the COC Call of Cthulhu pop game that I've been playing for a while um, with Andy from Expedition to the Grizzly Peaks as my DM um, or GM sorry GM when it comes to Call of Cthulhu. Um, so I haven't ever played Call of Cthulhu Pulp before, so a few differences in terms of like going out and a like bang and and being able to bring your character back from death to be able to pop back up in the next scene in a dramatic kind of way um, with costs, obviously. But um, some some fun like changes like that, which were really cool for a one shot kind of game. I say one shot. Um, we finally finished our one shot recently after about three months. Um, and to be fair, we didn't play for a whole month in the middle there, but it did go on for a while. And I think that's mainly because we love playing together so much that we kind of drag things out a lot more than we would in like another game with another DM or with other players. We just like role playing with each other and talking to each other. Um, I love it so much in part because those players are extraordinarily good just extraordinarily good. I feel very lucky to be in the same game as them all. You've got Joey from Highlight Sightless, TJ from, well, a million podcasts, really. Um, and none of them I really know how to say because they're like MMM and OOO and they're full of letters that and words that I don't understand. Um, but anyway, that guy. Uh, and Jeff and Laren um, from... Um, Jeff from Time of All Dooms and Laren from um, Updates from the Middle of Nowhere. And... They are all wonderful role players and friends, and we have such a good time. Um, even when Andy is shooting us and trying to drive us completely mad with strange artifacts from another world and creatures who are all fighting to get their hands on it. Uh, I went down uh, in a gunshot, spent all of my luck coming back, 
So when I got attacked later by a giant thing with tentacles that tried to spike me through my face and eat me, well, I stayed down that time. And it was my first call of Cthulhu death. I'm sad that I still haven't gone insane. Um, I really did try and throw myself into situations that seemed crazy, like shooting the artifact uh, with my gun and spying on people in greenhouses while flirting with fellow investigators and various NPCs. <laughs> you know, just usual me stuff. Um, I had a blast, and I cannot wait for whatever game is that comes next that we play together, whenever that might be. Um, I miss them all already. Uh, thanks very much, Andy, for always patiently putting up with our shenanigans and providing us with an epic space to play in. Love your work, dude. Thanks very much. Uh, let's talk about something else that I've played recently. Okay, so GURPS. Um, I don't know what the game was called. I've just called it, in my own mind, Trouble at the Circus. We played a special Halloween one-shot with DM Barry from Shadow of the GM where we visited a circus that had traveled from overseas, bringing many wonders and much horror with it. I listened to Barry's episode where he said that he didn't want to spoil the one shot, so I'll try not to either. Um, but I did have a lot of fun playing with books and attempting to shoot things in misty darkness. Um, really, again, a talented group of players. It was just like fun to listen to the trouble they got themselves into in situations and, and strange tents with um, monkeys and then watch as they tried to get out of it again. You know, the game was fun too because we got to wander a circus and see the sights before the entertainment became a little more like bloodthirsty oriented. Um, so thanks, Barry. Very fun. Um, I agree with everything that was said about um, the podcast. Like we had those tech difficulties at the start, but I really don't think it affected anything about the game. I still had a great time despite the fact that um, we weren't able to play with Foundry. In fact, probably because of, I, I just really like theater of the mind and sometimes when I'm playing with maps, I get distracted and I just, you know, I loved just it being very like all in our own heads and us coming up with our own horror. That was really cool. Um, I'm still not really sure that I'm playing GURPS right, but I am enjoying learning. So thanks for your patience with that. Uh, what else did I play recently? Oh, 10 Candles. Okay, so I played my first game of Ten Candles, DM'd by Jeff of Tome of All Dooms and um, Laren and some friends of theirs. Uh, I was a silent movie actress who sometimes forgot to speak, so that was fun. Um, and we were beset by a mysterious enemy who had turned the sky dark and we were attempting to survive. However, the whole point of Ten Candles is that nobody ever survives. Your death is a foregone conclusion. It's all about how you die and when you die. So I really enjoyed the weight of that being off my shoulders and proceeded to drive my character like I stole it. Again, it's a one shot. It's, it's essentially designed for that. So getting myself in trouble, spending all of the resources I had, choosing to snuff a candle and bring my death that bit closer. Um, all of these things, I really enjoyed all of that. Again, I'm trying not to spoil too much of the game, even though it is different every time. And I like that because we get to set, I forget what the phrase is now, but um, it's like, you know, uh, something, something, we're in darkness and all of these things are true. And then you just kind of say a thing that is true. Uh, everybody gets to say something um, and add to the world. Like you build the world together. So it's like, okay, so there's a gas station down the road and there's some blood coming out of the gas station and then there's a howl in the distance and everybody's adding to these things and it could be adding to it or it could be something completely different they go off on a tangent like 
there's some petrol in the car um you know like all of these different things and then you play the next scene being that all of those things are true i wish i could remember the phrase um but um because i'm doing a really bad job of this um um explaining it and now i'm google searching it okay so the gm says the phrase these things are true the world is dark and then you there's a whole lot a series of true statements established and then you all say at the end and we are alive uh because we currently are right like that's how it kind of works um only you know you're gonna die and so it kind of feels funny saying that because it's like ominous it's like a it's like we're alive for now you know it's kind of how it feels um because you actually have to at the start of the episode record a death message like a message that is played after your death and so you know it's you know it's going to happen you know what's going to happen at the end of the game we're going to play all of these death messages and they're going to be awesome and stuff so, but you just don't know how you're going to die and like where it's going to be and why and like when and all of that kind of stuff i mean obviously it's going to be when the candles are snuffed out that's that's a thing that happens that kind of triggers the death scene but like um you don't know when in the story you might die and how that might work so it's really really fun um my death was suitably epic locked in the back of a police car by someone i trusted so that he could get away uh, with this monster descending on me and i shot the rifle at this big old rifle thing that i had even though i knew that the recoil would like smash my heads to bits on the window of the cop car uh, so I think that was a pretty epic death. I'm okay with that. I took one of these things with me and I'm pretty happy about that. And I love the death messages too. Uh, hearing them at the end and just like letting them echo and recoil around in your brain, knowing the events that had happened in between you recording the death message and then hearing them again, it was like, whoa, how did you know that was going to be a thing? It was just, yeah, it's just really cool. Um, such a great game for role play and i'd really love to play again like in person would be fun too because even though we were online and we had all the lights off and we definitely got in the mood and i was definitely freaked out at points i do think that it would be easier to set that dark kind of spooky tone in person and especially with that act of snuffing out candles for real Ugh. you know can you imagine playing that outside in like a campground or something like crazy good fun um, real fun. So thanks, Jeff, for letting me crash in the game and um, bringing me along on that 10 Candles um, journey. Laren says that where she wants to play every year and I will put my hand up now. I'd be keen for that. Um, let's do it. Let's let's play every year. I would be definitely down. Okay, so what else have I got to talk to you about? Uh, this is a really long episode already, so I think I'm going to start kind of wrapping it up. I want to just chuck in a couple of call-ins that I received from um, the Halloween spooky stories episode from um, that I collected of Wellington stories. So uh, here is Jason and Joey for you. Hey, what's up, Jules? I absolutely loved the spooky episode. I'm here for spooky stuff all the time. I don't care what time of year it is. But, Jules, but the question remains, have you been to any of those places? And more importantly, have you had any spooky experiences? 
we're dying to know. Hey Jules, Jason here. Just want to say, really enjoyed your ghost tour of Wellington. Very interesting. Some really neat places. If I ever get over there, definitely look forward to checking them out. And it felt like I was really there. You did a great job walking us through. So thank you very much. Talk to you soon. Cool. Thanks, Jason. Um, Hope is well. Like, hope all is well with you, my friend, and that things at work are starting to calm down a bit. Um, But thanks for your message and that you enjoyed it. That was really nice. Like hearing from you, dude. And Joey, yes, I've actually been to all of them. Uh, not that all of the ones on the list actually exist anymore, but I have actually been to a conference in the old fever hospital where we had to be in one of the rooms and to do some training for work, and that was pretty pretty spooky, for instance. Um, and I go through that tunnel actually at least once a week, uh, and I always beep. Beep, 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 you know, please stay away. I know that you were murdered and buried here, but I don't want any ghosts. Um, and so anybody visiting on a tour, I'll even let you beep the horn as we go through the tunnel so you can make sure that we go through safely. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wellington is spooky and I love it. Okay, so what am I working on now? Surprisingly, after writing all of those one-shots, I'm, I'm, and I'm still trying to figure out how to format them all so that I have them all stored rather than they're just on notes everywhere. Um, and weird pieces of paper and drawings and stuff. I'm actually working on a Christmas-themed level 20 one-shot to run via a live stream, which will be run in the first week of December. Um, I'm going to be running that New Zealand time Sunday night at about 7 o'clock, so if that works for any of the overseas peeps, love to see you there. Um, plenty of opportunity to make an egg of myself. I have never tried to DM a level 20 game before. Uh, and I'm also going to try and run a Christmas themed one, which I'm writing myself. Um, I have decided that the basics of this will be the Kiwi Christmas is being attacked by like an American Christmas, essentially. Uh, the snow is trying to frost up things and things that they're like, I don't know, eggnog is trying to swamp the barbecue or something. I don't really know how it's going to work out. I've got a couple of weeks to write it, um, but that is the thought in my brain so far. So if you'd like to tell me any either Kiwi tropes that you think I should put in there or American tropes that you think I should put in there, I would love to hear either. So please send me a message um, either through Anchor or through Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatever. I would really, really love to hear any suggestions you have that I could put some more Christmas-themed cheese into this thing um, because I want that. I want it to be really cheesy. Yes, and festive. I think it's more the point. Okay, and so personal stuff. Uh, my PC has started to show signs of doing the same thing. Yep, I think my hard drive is on the way out again. Um, sometimes it just won't turn on. Uh, but it's okay, because I have everything stored on an external now. So I'm smarter, so I won't lose any data. But I am annoyed at the thought of potentially losing my computer again for a couple of weeks. So stay tuned on that one uh, as I go down to having Owen to yell at some people. Uh, and... I'm also um, kicking out another flatmate for, again, bad behavior. And also being a Trump supporter, like in the worst kind of way. And by that, I mean believing every lie and conspiracy theory, including the ones about secret Japan experiments, vaccines being bad, and having not landed on the moon. Frankly, I'm scared to ask 
what sort of uh, shape he thinks the world is. Is it flat? Round? I don't know. I don't know what he thinks, and I'm just a little bit too scared to ask, because I think I would have to argue about that one, and I'm trying not to argue. Uh, suffice to say that things are crazy over here. But I'll get there one day, because for all of the bad, there is also lots of good. My nephew does not have cancer. We were worried about a lump in his head for the last, I don't know, ages, um, and what it was, and it needed surgery to be able to figure out what it was, but it's fine. He went under the knife today. And because of the fact that he was under the knife today, we know it was a benign lump. So thank frick for that. I am super excited about that. Also, a puppy bought a puppy was bought in by a customer to my store today. A puppy Rottweiler. And normally puppy Rottweilers aren't like fluffy, but this thing was fluffy and beautiful and snuggly and just gorgeous. And the customer just handed him to me and was like, can you hold him while I look at these baby clothes for a while? And I was like, oh my God, this is the best thing that's happened to me in ages. So I just got to walk around the store holding a Rottweiler puppy and just petting it and have him just snuffle me and be beautiful. So, and if those two things were not good enough news today, I just found out that the KFC in my suburb that has been closed for like the last two months reopened its doors today after a massive refurb. And frankly, it's like the sun is shining and everything is golden sprinkled with um, 11 secret herbs and spices right now. You know, it just could not be better. So on that positive note, I just want to give a big Personal thanks to my gems, Barry, Shell, Scott, Glenn, James, Jason, and Laren. I could not do this without you. Thanks for sticking by my side as I navigated the particularly tricky waters of my life lately. I appreciate your friendship and support. Aroha nui, just the biggest. Um, thanks to everyone who's listening right now, including a new friend from Argentina who messaged on Instagram about how much they were enjoying the episodes and sent pictures of their attempt to make hokey pokey. I enjoyed that immensely. And the fact that everyone out there listening is um, enjoying parts of these episodes, even if you're messaging me about them or not, just kind of makes my heart glow a little bit warmer. Um, and the fact that I'm touching base with some amazing people from all over the world is kind of incredible to me. So thank you very much for that. Uh, thank you to uh, Joe and Jace for calling in. Joe and Jace, I've just shortened your names for some reason. Joey from Hindsightless <laughs> and Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Thank you very much for calling in and taking the time out of your day to call into my little podcast and, and just interact with me. It's all very cool. So next episode is actually about Queenstown, New Zealand. Um, and I'm really looking forward to sharing that one with you. So keep listening. If you are enjoying listening to Jules from NZ, keys give the show a review on the platform of your choice it all helps so you can find me as i've said all the way through twitter instagram and facebook all under that jules Bergeser. go find me go give me some likes i mean my you know honestly like uh, every time i get a like my little squee happens so you just know that every time you like something i squee um and if that helps you then then yeah um anyway Moving on. End the episode, Jillian. You're at like 42 minutes. Cut it out. All right. Inohora, kakite ano. Eroha nui to all of you out there. I love you so much. And see you next time. Goodbye.